Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 206 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I'm talking to one of my writing besties, Caitlin Duncan, and we are going to be discussing how to build and create writing and marketing systems while balancing life generally, adulting, being a parent, being a carer, you know, work, etc., etc. But first, to last week's question, which was, what's the best writing conference or event you've been to? Karen Heenan said, this year's 20 books will be the only conference I've been to, but expectations are high, especially for that keynote. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. No pressure. It's not like I'm feeling any pressure at all (laughs) for this. No, not at all. Okay, moving on. This week's question is, what fictional world would you most like to visit and why? The book recommendation of the week this week is a patron book. So we have got First Strike, Keepers of the Universe, book one by Angela Haas. So the blurb goes like this. A universe torn between calm and chaos. Stella Jane Walsh, New York City's top-rated trauma surgeon, holds an astounding record. She's never lost a patient. Until the day she does. In that moment, her world shatters and she's swept into an adventure that launches her from Manhattan into alien worlds in in the far reaches of space. John Ryder Alexander is a handsome rogue and one of the most decorated soldiers in the galaxy until he turns unwilling mercenary blackmailed into committing heinous crimes. Stella is targeted by a woman hell-bent on creating a universe where other women don't exist and all men bend to her will. Stella... (laughs) There are many things I could say about that. (laughs) I love this blurb. Stella and her crew of misfits must stop this villain before she helps awaken a slumbering force of evil. Can Stella let go of the life she knew and learn to trust her unlikely new team to save everyone and everything she loves? Who knows? To find out, you are going to have to read the book. So... If you like space opera, science fiction, humorous superhero books, then this is for you. And I will leave links in the show notes to that. So in personal news and updates then, I have surpassed the 60,000 word point in the manuscript. Last week was a good week because I really needed to get over the point that I had stalled out in in the first draft last time. Uh, So I am now past that point and I am... Uh, where am I? I? I would say I'm three or four writing sessions away from completing the first draft. I've got a deadline with the editor of the 11th of September. <laughs> that feels dangerously close right now. Um, and I am moving up the pre-order date for book three, but I am not going to announce that until I have finished drafting. So probably next week I will announce that. And... I also made quite a serious decision uh, this last week that I am not going to be writing a non-fiction craft book this year. I did think I was going to, um, but at the moment I I am very driven by like inspiration and the input that I take in. And I have not really input any craft books this year. And I was kind of like, 
why do I not feel inspired to write nonfiction? I'm like, oh yeah, honey, you've not read like any nonfiction this year. So if you have a recommendation for a fun, uh, not too dry craft book, I would love to hear it because I would like to write a craft book next year. But uh, as I say, I'm I'm all inspired for the fiction at the moment. I am um, mood boarding and world building for the next series, which I will start on the 20th of November because I just had to redo my calendar. Ask me why. Don't worry, I'm going to tell you. Because I had a fist fight with reality and I lost. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so like, <laughs> I'm not quite sure what it is about me but I do so love to be optimistic about how much I can achieve. <sighs> and then <laughs> I kind of looked at how much time there was in September and how many projects I wanted to do. And I'm going to put it down to the thousands of pounds I have now spent on coaching. <laughs> but Sasha has grown. I have changed. I looked at the calendar and realised that... <laughs> I hate saying this. I really, it fucking hurts me to admit this. But I realised that what was on my to-do list wasn't realistic. Like, what? <laughs> you can see how much I can't, I can't even take myself seriously because, like, honestly, I'm in physical pain having to accept this reality. I hate it so much, but I did have to readjust. And so now I'm not, because I was basically going to start drafting the next series on October the 1st. Oh. <laughs> if you could see my to-do list for September, you'd have laughed in my face. And my work wife, Helen Joyra, <laughs> got on a Zoom with me this morning very gently pointed out that it was deeply unrealistic to expect myself to do <laughs> multiple courses, multiple rounds of edits, multiple amounts of marketing, setting up launches uh, for for girls and things, for book launches and things. Basically, look, I, I had a check-in with reality and apparently we're not very good friends and so I have had to adjust my timelines to be more reali realistic because here's the thing I probably could have done it all I probably could have but I'd have had to have worked every day until 11 o'clock and all of the weekends and we all know what happens when I do that or what what happens when anybody does that so yeah especially because I've got a couple of days in London this month in fact I think I'm going to London like three times in September um, the kid goes back to school, all of the chaos and, and all of the things. So I have now redone my plan for the rest of the year. I am aiming to get two courses done in October. And I um, obviously have Vegas and uh, I will hopefully have written the first draft of another book by the end of the year as well. So instead of like, you know, trying to do three courses of that in September... <laughs> Like, now that I talk about it out loud, you know, it doesn't feel so realistic anymore. I'm just going to sit in the corner and think about what I've done, okay? <laughs> it's fine. Let's move on. So this uh, coming 
couple of months, I wanted to talk about Patreon because I am teaching, uh, I've just announced the next two classes that I will be teaching um, and the class that will be December. So you'll need to sign up sort of now-ish. Uh, but the class that I will be teaching in uh, December is on Dark Academia. So we're going to be reading Ninth House by Lee Bardugo and we're going to be reading Legend Born, Legend Born, Legend Born, Legend Born. What? Legend Born. We're going to be reading that book by Tracy Dion. Uh, and then we're going to be, I'm going to teach class and deconstruct all about dark academia. We're going to have a movie night where we watch the first episode of A Discovery of Witches and uh, The Order. And then we have got the uh, uh, subplots, romance subplots uh, for the next class, which is in a couple of weeks. And then the, the first class in January is going to be on hitting number one on the Amazon bestseller store. So over the next couple of months, I'm not announcing the book yet, but I'm going to be watching the charts um, and I'm going to be looking at indie authors who hit Amazon number one. And then what we are going to do is we are going to read two of their books together and we are going to have a class that's not just focused on craft. We're going to have a class that is focused on looking at that author's um, whole platform. So we'll look at their social media, we'll look at their advertising, we'll look at their backlist, that we'll look at how they structure their websites and, uh, you know, the types of content they do. So I'm hoping that that's going to be quite an exciting um, class. Um, I don't know what genre it will be yet because um, I don't know who's going to hit in the next few months. So we, we shall see. So those are the next two classes. And I wanted to talk about those because uh, you need to sign up, uh, obviously, um, um, a little bit in advance if you want to join them so that you have time to read the books with us. So I'll leave a link in the show notes for you to join up to that. So I think that's it from me really because I'm in drafting mode. There's not a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Uh, by this time next week, I will have finished and I will be deep into the edits uh, of this book trying to get it off my bloody desk. So um, yes, I'm like super, I'm like getting really buzzy and excited because I'm getting towards the end and you know how competition loves the finish line. Everybody drink. Okay, let's move on. The Rebel of the Week this week is Liz Lincoln. Liz says, My story for you is about my grandma, who was my role model growing up, for many reasons, including this story, and it has a bit of romance as I am a romance author. Growing up, my grandma's family was close with another family who had a son her age. It was always understood that when they grew up, they'd get married. But instead of marriage at 18, she convinced her parents to go to college. After college, she moved to New York City to work as a journalist. After a year, she was supposed to come home and get married before her childhood boy went off to fight in World War II. While working in New York City, my grandma frequently had to contact a young officer stationed in Toledo, Ohio. They started up a phone flirtation and when they were when they met, it was love at first sight. My grandma knew she had to get out of her informal engagement and marry this officer. So the two of, so the two of them sat down and wrote out a pros and cons list. This is so in character for my grandma. The officer went home with her and they presented it to her parents who weren't very impressed. In the end, however, her strong persuasive skills and his charm won them over and they married a few months later. 
oh my gosh, they were married 59 years when my grandma died and had two kids, five grandkids, and so far, eight grandchildren. Holy fucking shit. I have got goosebumps. That is an incredible amount of years to spend with somebody. Um, Speaking of uh, marriage, yesterday was my wedding anniversary uh, and we actually got to go for a dinner for once in our lives. And we, we So we've been married 11 years and we've been together 14 and a half, which, um, to my delight, the, the very young, uh, just going off to university waitress, uh, in the restaurant last night was like, oh, wow, you guys don't look like you've been together that long. And I was like, oh, oh thanks, thanks. I feel haggard on the inside, though. I feel like that. Still got a baby face, but feel haggard, like, haggard as shit on the inside. Okay, so we had quite a few uh, uh, patrons up their pledges this week to uh, join the new classes that I've announced. So thank you very much to Wendy Karras, Marin Corcoran, Mackenzie Alexander, Tamara, Nikolai and Liz. A huge thank you to all of my existing patrons. You guys really do help to keep the show running. Um, If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, as well as bonus content like our Poison and Prose sessions, the movie nights, the Slack uh, community group where you can ask a load of questions and get access to me whenever you like um and of course the patreon masterclasses then you can from as little as two dollars a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash sasha black this week's episode is sponsored by pro writing aid so i'm going to hand the mic over to sw miller to tell you all about why he uses pro writing aid i use pro writing aid to clean up my manuscripts before they go to my editor pro writing aid's great because it's not just a grammar checker It teaches you how to improve your writing. It has reports for all those tricky areas authors hate, like style, passive voice, blue words, my own arch nemesis, cliches, and more. I've got high competition in my top five Clifton strengths, so the scoring feature really pushes me to improve my writing, because, of course, I want to beat the system. For me, the best thing is the way it integrates with Scrivener. I make all my changes in Pro Writing Aid and Scrivener updates automatically, so no more hopping between programs, which is perfect. I'd highly recommend using Pro Writing Aid. Okay, well that's enough from me this week. Let's get on with the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. I am ridiculously excited because we have my in-life writing BFF, Caitlin Duncan. Caitlin is a seasoned author and expert in optimizing productivity for writers, I should know, (laughs) with over a decade of publishing experience and a unique balance between a successful writing career and motherhood. She developed the From Chaos to Control method, a system designed to streamline both business and personal processes for author mums. Her first-hand experience and solutions-oriented approach have transformed the careers and lives of numerous writers, empowering them to regain control and strike a balance. Hello and welcome. Thank you for having me again. Oh, you are so welcome. (laughs) (laughs) any excuse to see you okay well you have been on the show twice before not many people can say that in fact I think you might be the only person alongside Mark Lefebvre who has been on the show that many times so this is this is this is a big honor um but the last time you were on the show was in 20 uh, January 2023 so like six seven months seven months ago so tell everyone what you've been up to since then 
Yeah. So that was when I released the successful hybrid author, which was my most pre uh, most recent um, nonfiction book. Um, and since then, I have been developing the from chaos to control method. I caught the course bug um, and I talked to so many author moms over the last six months. And it's been such a great learning experience and developing a program that has actually helped people is great. Um, so that's basically been all I've been doing since, you know, probably February through June. So it's been a lot. And for listeners who would like to listen to either the hybrid publishing episode, which was episode 174, or the book rights reversion episode, which was episode 100, I am going to link both of those in the show notes. But that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about systems. So like, let, let's start with the basics. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like what is a system? What does it look like? Why, like, why do you think having systems are so important? Why do we as authors and well, especially author mums need a system? Yeah, absolutely. So um, full transparency, I do suffer from uh, like executive dysfunction. So systems have really been a part of my life um, just naturally because I struggle with um, taking a task and seeing it through. So I believe that systems are important, uh, especially for author moms, uh, because there's so many responsibilities for, you know, you're caring for a family and you typically you're caring for a home and your creative pursuits. And it's a way to really organize everything Make sure you don't slip up on anything important um, and definitely avoiding overwhelm. So having systems in place can sort of take everything out of your brain, give yourself mental clarity. Um, For example, if you have a system on how to launch a book, um, no matter if you're indie or trad published, having a checklist of things that you do every time that you repeat consistently every time you launch a book. So you can definitely just take it out of your brain instead of holding it in um, and then, you know, fill your mind with more creative pursuits. Um, I also believe that systems are really important for scaling author businesses. So it doesn't necessarily have to be at the beginning stages Um, but eventually most authors who want to make a career tend to outsource and, when you're outsourcing, there's like a training process typically. And if you have all of your systems in place, then you don't really need to train someone on the minutia. Um, it's more of, you know, giving them the system and then letting them take off. And it takes that pressure off you a little more immediately. Yeah, I love that. I, I never really thought about the fact that actually you don't necessarily always need a system initially. Like, obviously, if you can create one, great. But um, actually, that was my experience. I didn't really start creating systems actually until like this year. I think I had some intuitive systems where I'd done things so many times I knew the process, but that's very different to like having a written down system or or a process or like, like you say, like a task based list. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, that when you when I got to a certain level in the business and the, there was a lot of things I was juggling, all of a sudden my brain wasn't such a great repository anymore. Exactly. <laughs> like exactly. It's, for, you know, great place for ideas, not so good for remembering shit. <laughs> no, no. And taking things out of your brain is only going to help you um, with mental clarity and even just mental well-being, physical well-being. You know, you're not stressed all the time trying to 
hold everything in your brain. So it's definitely not a great storage facility. Um, it's great for creativity. So I recommend at any point, if you can take anything out of your brain, do it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, so can you share some of the key challenges you've encountered in maintaining like your creative practices, business, your like your work, um, alongside being a parent and everything else that you've got like going on in your life? Like, how did you overcome? Well, what were they? And how did you overcome Mm -hmm. them? Yeah. So I I have two sort of main ones. And the first one was my schedule. So as we know, as moms, as our children grow up, the things change, like our schedules change, sleep schedules change, responsibilities change. So I had to use techniques, the techniques that I do teach in my course, um, such as time blocking, time tracking, um, due to my executive function issues. I have time blindness. So sometimes I don't know exactly how long something takes. So I find tracking has been super helpful and also, um, drink because we're going to talk about strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellie had, <laughs> had told me about mini environments, these little focused environments that I just absolutely love because I'm able to really focus in on whatever task I'm doing in like either a space in my house or somewhere else, or in like a program like Canva, something like that, like focusing all of my energy at one time has really helped, um, keep to my schedule and keep to my time. And, uh, another challenge is, was my energy. Like, you know, I'm getting a little older as the kids get older too, you know, (laughs) they take a lot of energy. Um, and I wasn't really caring for myself the way that I should have. So I don't know anything about that. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's one thing that I try um, to do daily now is some sort of self-care Well, refilling is especially important for author moms, because we can't really write books if we don't have any creativity. Um, so one thing I love, <laughs> one thing that I love to do is uh, create a, what's called a self-care menu, um, things that I love to do for self-care and then also how long it takes to do such activities. So if I say, oh, I have 10 minutes this evening, you know, what can I do? Because also we tend to suffer from decision fatigue. So having everything ready for me is is great. And I know it sounds a little restrictive. I feel like it's I'm being like very system, systematic, but I think these little things can definitely help um, author moms. The irony is like, I love the self-care menu. Um, and for listeners, there is so Hendrix is is Caitlin's cat, and he's very obsessed with like with something like must be flying around or something that he was. Duchess was in here earlier trying to destroy a fly that had managed to get in, and she just like I've never seen a cat obsessed for that long over an insect. But anyway, yeah. random tangent. Um, yeah, the <laughs> self care menu is fantastic. One of the things when I I've just started bullet journaling again, and one of the things I um had in my like spread to set up was a self-care list guess which one I haven't done (laughs) (laughs) that's part of your self-care Sasha do it as soon as possible (laughs) I like like and so this is like a random like what can we put on there because like like for real like the things that like make a really big difference to me I suppose like well tell me you're tired without telling me you're tired it's it's the 13th but up to yesterday I'd read nine books this month like that is just cut, like cut and dry. You can tell how yeah. tired I am by the amount that I'm reading. 
Um, but yeah, like, so what, what, I mean, I can put reading on there, go for a walk. What else? I don't really, what is well, self-care? What, what, what does one do it? <laughs> yeah. But like what, okay. What gives you energy? So when you're feeling particularly down, like, is it exercise and you can go to the, you know, a vacation, you know, that can be like the longest type of activity, but also, I don't know, eating your favorite treat. Yeah, well, you okay. know, it takes two minutes, um, yeah. you know, treating yourself to Starbucks or oh, that's going for thing. a walk or, you know, it just yeah. depends. It's very personal. If you're someone who does meditation, um, that could be a self-care activity. But I do recommend having things that are just maybe a couple minutes long, you know, and then all the way up to like taking time off to to go on a vacation, uh, which I do try to recommend at least yearly for you know, it doesn't have to be some extravagant thing, but getting away is is very important. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. And I, you've reminded me that um, at some point in time, Becca did some energy penny sheets. So I might mm-hmm. actually go through and like look at each one of my top 10 strengths and try and put down like a self-care thing that will generate yeah. pennies for each strength. Like that. that Absolutely. Might. Okay. You have to hold me to account. I have to do the self-care yep. list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's let's talk about like every parent's Achilles heel, which is guilt. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, guilt comes up when we try to balance priorities between like creative work and parenting. Like, how can we how can we deal with guilt? Because not only is it like a, a horrible emotion that we can feel, it can also be paralyzing to us in that we then end up not doing any work and not doing like not engaging in the parenting 100% either and then so we end up in this like limbo land so Mm -hmm. you know what yeah talk to me about guilt yeah I would say probably like the lowest I've felt with like mom guilt is exactly that you become like paralyzed uh, because moving forward just seems like too much. And I don't believe in like a 50-50 balance between being an author and a mom. It's just not possible. And we have all of the responsibilities. But um, that guilt often f- comes from like neglecting one thing or the other. And uh, typically I would acknowledge it. It's never going to go away, I don't think. Um, you may feel guilty about other things, but you know it's never going to go away. And it's definitely important when you're having this balance, you have your author responsibilities, your mom responsibilities, if you work, work responsibilities, but you also have a responsibility to yourself. And that's a lot of, a lot of times we do forget to do that. And yeah, (laughs) I called you out. Um, Yeah. So I recommend (laughs) (laughs) when I, when I'm in, a zone, a bucket per se, when I'm in my author, you know, mornings, I focus on that. Then it shifts over to get kid to camp, get kid to school time with kid, you know, so shifting that touching every part, every bucket, every day will help lessen that guilt a little bit because you are effectively giving energy to each of these pursuits that you find important uh for your life yeah okay let's get practical yes and let's talk about some examples of how um well I keep saying author mums because that's where you specialize but I suppose systems really apply to anybody but how can authors get um you know 
uh, like effectively apply these systems and approaches to both their writing and their publishing? Yes. So um, I this is I worked with an executive function coach, and this is really what's been super helpful in creating systems and offloading a lot of things in my life are, like I just said, identifying your big buckets of time, whether that's work, being a mom, uh, an author, any of those things, identify those big buckets and looking at like your values for each of them. You know, if you value family time, that's going to be a larger bucket. Once you have those buckets, then breaking it down even further into tasks and things like that. So say, you know, you're launching a book. What are those big tasks you need to do under your author bucket? So you do a cover reveal, social media. Um, If you're an indie, you do distribution and production of the title and then go even deeper. So how do you do a cover reveal? Well, you have to get the cover and then you have to, you know, put it on social media, stuff like that, and just keep breaking it down. And then you have a system in place. And in that process, you're just unloading everything from your brain and you're able to, you know, focus on one thing. And then when you do a cover reveal again, it's right there for you. You don't have to forget anything and you can actually work through it a lot faster when you're in that sort of focus time. So that can look like, you know, checklists, a very simple checklist. You don't have to go. I know there's all these apps out there that can do a lot of these things, but a simple checklist. Um, a lot of mine I do in Google docs. I make sure to put links in there. I always find myself looking for links. So if I put it in my system, that's super helpful. If you want to take screenshots, a video recording, Loom is a great tool. Um, so these are all different ways that you can, you know, practically set them up. You've made me realize that I do actually have a system, but because a lot of the time when we talk about systems, we talk about marketing, but you've made mm-hmm. me realize that I do actually have a system for drafting as well. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ellie made me do this. Um, and it's because I'm uh, a bitch to my green strengths and I never, ever give myself enough like thinking time. But actually, I've got a big checklist of all of the things that I have to do um, that some some of them seem trivial, but they're really not um, before I start drafting. And so like some of the things include like looking in coffee table books, making sure I've got a photo of the characters, deciding what their strengths are. Um, what else do I do? Like spending time on Amazon, creating a marketing, like comp author spreadsheet. Like all of these things are things that I so struggle with accepting that they are work and the important work. But all of these mm-hmm. things go together. Like it's crazy that the last few days I've allowed myself to do this. Like I've allowed myself to look up like vampire myths and like shit like this and, and done the marketing stuff. And all of a sudden, like ideas are coming to me, like lo and fucking behold, you follow the system and it fucking <laughs> works. Like, yes. For God's sake, of course it works. Um. So, so yeah, you, you have actually made me realize that I should probably stick to the system that I know works. Like, Anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, and when you when you get to starting another book, having that there, you'll be able to just dive right in instead of being like, oh, what what do I normally do? Or if you felt super overwhelmed by the process of writing a book, it's already there for you. Your past self did it. And then you just dive right in, read books, you know, research, stuff like that. Yeah. And it is a reminder that that those 
bits that don't feel like work are actually work. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I end up in the position where I've got to throw away 20K because I've written the wrong thing because I didn't give myself enough time to do the brain work so that like, mm-hmm. you know, I can then vomit out the drug. What what system has been like the most effective for you or like what changes have been like the, the best for you in your writing and publishing processes? Yeah, I'd have to say my comprehensive launching a book checklist, um, especially when I became indie. So having a list of everything I have to do, so helpful. I would find myself scrambling to remember everything. And, you know, I can start, you know, if I have a week that I'm doing marketing for the book, I just go into that checklist and then I can add everything to my calendar. I wake up every morning. I know exactly what I have to do. There's no like dilly dallying or forgetting. Um, So definitely that huge checklist for sure. Okay. So once you've like got your system, how do Mm -hmm. you make sure it works? How do you know if it's working? How do you know um, like if there's a problem with it or yeah, like talk to me about that. What does that look like? Yeah, for me, it's more of a feeling. So if I'm working in a system and I feel frustrated, overwhelmed, um, skipping around. So that could mean that it's either not robust enough if you're feeling like sort of negative emotions. And if I'm skipping around, there may be steps that I don't need to do anymore or they're just already like in my brain. So it's sort of a personal thing if you are feeling a certain way, take a look at your system, work in it for a little bit. You know, you can always bounce it off an author friend of yours to make sure that it's all working. I find um, it really helpful to sort of write out systems like you were speaking them to someone. And then you can really, it's like sort of like editing in a different format. Like you get like a different perspective. So yeah. So it's, if something's not working, you're the only one who's going to know that it's not working. Um, So you just have to identify which system and then make adjustments if necessary. And do you like you, that's not an audit, right? Like you call that an audit or yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. How do you allocate your time between writing, marketing and being a parent? It's like the 64 bajillion dollar question. (laughs) Yes. And you could probably guess from the conversation, but I do follow a pretty structured um, daily schedule. So using, um, time blocking. So my mornings five to seven, all author focus. I don't check emails. I don't look at anything else. Um, that's when my mind is fresh. That's not when everyone's mind is fresh, but that's my most creative time. And then I sort of, I go to work. So I work from home. So I do that, you know, switch to sending kid off to wherever they're going that day. And then I sit down, uh, and work. So as, I go throughout my day too. Um, we talked about energy a bit. So I do save a lot of my like low energy tasks for later in the day, such as like admin work, if I have to do that or marketing tasks. So I I can switch my schedule around a little bit. So, and then my evenings are, you know, once I clock out, I'm full on mom, wife, you know, person me mode. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I definitely block out my, my life in that way. And it's, it's become easier to sort of create those time boundaries because when I was at my lowest, I've, I was doing everything at 
many different times of the day and it just is very unproductive. How did you become aware of like your energy levels throughout the day? Like, how did you like, n- like, did you track it? Like how, how can, how, because I don't know, I think because normally I'm quite high energy the minute, oh, now everything makes sense. Why my son is the way that he is. <laughs> it's called karma. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Like how did you notice those fluctuations or like, what is it you're looking for to, to realize when your best creative time is? Uh, when it comes to my best creative time, I've tried different times to write. Um, so my previous job um i worked in a laboratory and we had to be there ready to go at like 6 a.m and i did that (laughs) i did that for about nine years so that was always like i had to be super awake and aware at that time and i also did travel a bit too so i think innately my creativity was just going while i was you know traveling from office to office so that's how i sort of found my work you can um you can do like an energy journal, which is tracking. So you can get metrics. I know you like metrics. Um, so if you do like a spreadsheet and, you know, for a week, every hour on the hour, mark your energy levels. Um, it's also important to look at like when you've had coffee or tea or any caffeine, what you've eaten, when you've eaten, if it's a carb heavy, you know, lunch, sometimes we always get that, you know, 3 PM slump. So these are just little things to look out for if you're unsure of when your energy levels are high or low. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I do love a bit of data. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay. Um, what ways have you integrated tech and digital tools into your like processes? Yeah. Um, into processes specifically or just overall? Well, I guess overall, yeah. 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 Um, so my schedule processing is Google Calendar. I need it digitized. I need uh, I need set reminders to remind me to move from one block to the next. Um, I love timers. Um, and I found that I've outsourced my fitness to uh, Copilot, the Copilot app. I wasn't anywhere consistent until I have someone working with me. So that's, that's a great app. I'm just um, going to second, like I don't use Copilot, yeah. but I definitely outsourced my fitness to yes. um, bootcamp. And like for somebody who does not like to be controlled, <laughs> <laughs> bootcamp is the best thing I've ever done because like I just go and somebody else tells me what to do and I can turn mm-hmm. off my brain for that hour and yes. I don't have to think about it. Um, I miss it deeply and I can't wait to start going again after holiday when all the fucking injuries disappear. But anyway, um, I just think that is brilliant. So yeah, sorry to interrupt. I just no, no. completely. Yeah. And, and creating systems themselves, it can be an e- as easy as a bullet journal. It can be as easy as Microsoft Word or um, Excel or any of the Google suite alternatives. Um, Google Drive is great or Dropbox, having everything in one place. So Definitely having something to track your time and also to house systems um, is super important for this type of work. Absolutely. Okay. So one of the things that I know you think is important is community. Um, 
So why do you think that? And how do you balance community engagement like with your parenting responsibilities? Are there any strategies that you use? Is that in terms of author community? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Because like even having even having a community and having people requires time because you have mm-hmm. to invest in that community and you have to <laughs> talk to people or like create yeah. that engagement. So yeah. Yeah. Um over the years, I have, you know, joined a bunch of groups, uh, Facebook groups or going to conferences and stuff like that. Um, but more specifically is finding very like like minded people in similar situations to you. So I find that super important, um, I guess, as a as a starting off author, finding people who are just like a little above me or on the same level um, because you can talk things out, you know, sometimes with our spouses or partners or family members, like they don't, they don't understand what we talk. I'm also, I'm a thriller writer, so I can't really tell anyone (laughs) except for writers, you know, what I'm thinking about. Um, So that's really, (laughs) so that's really important to, to have that sounding board, of someone who understands your situation. And when thinking about creating from chaos to control, um, I realized that there wasn't really a community for publishing authors. Cause I've been in the industry for 10 years, uh, for like, uh, career authors who are also moms because the conversations that you can have go a lot deeper than just writing or just being a mom, uh, because all of these things intertwine in our lives as much as, you know, people try to separate them out. So having the conversations with the, the moms who are in the group with me, it's so like magical. I remember sitting in one of our zooms and just watching the conversation go from like, publishing to like what their kids were doing and all of that. And I just felt so like full of like happiness because we were engaging our whole selves. So that part of community is really important. So you you have a place that you can be yourself fully. I think that's, I love that you, that you said about finding the, the like-minded elements and it doesn't have to be like your whole self but when you find people who relate to enough pieces of you you can be your Mm -hmm. whole self and I think that's I think that's that's so important um okay can you um talk about how building connections has kind of you know and I suppose how the community has influenced like your journey yeah I think it's um you know especially you know we're in a group together and, you know, we chat every day and it's, it's been really great to sort of, um, have that back and forth. Um, I feel like we push each other in different ways. Um, and I do that, you know, with pretty much all of my author friends, like if someone's feeling down, um, it's super important to like be, be there for them. So, it's been really great for me to, to push to a different level. I know I probably would have like probably quit writing at some point, um, when it really got hard if, you know, hitting that dip and everything. So, um, it just reminds you that you're, you're not alone, um, and writing in itself can be pretty isolating and living in our heads is isolating. So it definitely makes the whole process and, um, my life a little more enriching, I suppose. How, how are you kind of personally managing your energy? Because this is like such 
a lot of a job <laughs> yes. and you do a lot. So like, what are you personally doing to, yeah, manage, manage your energy and like, I don't know, I just, you're incredibly amazing at everything. And it's a <laughs> bit of a wonder to me. <laughs> How did you do it? <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't say that at all, but thank you. Um, for me, it's really about boundaries and those are time boundaries and like people boundaries. I I was talking to my therapist when I was in particularly low spot. And, you know, she asked me like what my values were. And of course I cried. I don't even know why I cried, but it was like one of those things that like I no one's ever asked me what my values are. And from that conversation, I started to think about it. And now anything that doesn't align with my values, um, I just don't do, or I say no, any commitments. Cause I was, you know, I'm recovering chronic people pleaser. So <laughs> that's, that's when a lot of, I feel like a lot of moms can get really down is when they say yes to everything. And you're basically saying no to yourself when you do that. So yeah, that's how I manage it. Boundaries, 100%. Okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about that because yep. it's a slight tangent, but like, expectations and expectation management like I I feel like we can have all the good intentions and we can put schedules and systems in place but sometimes life gets in the way so how do we build that resilience in order to be able to pick ourselves up when mum duty calls and it's unexpected or you know yeah like any advice for like how we manage those expectations Ellie told me I have a problem with reality (laughs) (laughs) so like apparently i'm not very good at managing like the physical time like expectations yeah whatever (laughs) yeah that's completely that's completely understandable and when it comes to um i don't think it's necessarily resilience but for me it's been and my adaptability in strengths terms is very low me too but that's really the only way that we can sort of um, incorporate all of these things because we wake up one morning and our kids are sick. What do you do? You know, you you can't Cry. do everything you in- yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh man, yeah. I really wanted to do this today. Yeah. Why did you have to get sick? Yeah. Um, these so things selfish. happen. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's about being adaptable and flexible, but also. If you are, you know, taking care of yourself every day, adding that you bucket back into your life, um, they, it comes a little easier. So for me, it was, you know, I wasn't getting enough sleep or any of this. I, and I was just doing all of the things. Whereas when I put myself first, I refilled my well, I got better sleep. That, that flexibility sort of was a bit easier Mm. Um, and I also did something really technical too, because I couldn't figure it out. I actually created like schedules for every occasion. So like I had a schedule for when everything was perfect, my ideal day. And then I had a schedule for like when the kid was sick or if there was a snow day, any of that. So that was super helpful for me to like visualize it. I prepared myself and then I was able to be adaptable when it, when it happened. That also may be my deliberative (laughs) to risk managing, risk managing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) No, I love that. Um, I did have another question and, oh, that was the question. 
obviously. Talk to me about From Chaos to Control. What, yes. What, uh, what do listeners need to know? So the From Chaos to Control method is a program and community for published author moms. Um, if you have at least one book, you know, sort of in the publishing path or have published, you know, as many books as you want. Um, and then being a mom and, you know, the community tends to be, you know, having kids that are still school aged uh, because there's still a lot of responsibilities. But, you know, and then the program itself talks about everything that we talked about today, time management, productivity, but not in like a mom boss productivity way, which I don't I don't appreciate it at all. Um, you know, it's it's about balancing your life. And we have a live um, coaching every week where I sort of come in and answer questions and we chat with each other. And it's really a great, a great community. So um, if anyone is interested, um, you know, I'm sure Sasha will have a link in the uh, the show notes. Um, and then we can, I, I sort of um, have a conversation with everyone before they join um, just to make sure it's a good fit. So I'm happy to jump on a call with anyone who's interested. Amazing. Well, this is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. I mean, I've been on here three times. So I don't have any more rebel stories. <laughs> you got to have another one. <laughs> I mean, I, I just think continuing to um, sort of go against myself. I guess I'm rebelling against myself, things that I didn't think I could do. Um, you know, like create a course and create a community and being published for 10 years. I can't believe it. Um, just trying to change my expectations of life, I suppose, if that makes sense. And you and just wild, try for more. And you have wild blue hair. I do have wild. Oh yeah. That's a really good rebel one. Yeah. That is a good rebellion. Oh man, I should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I chopped all my hair off and I dyed it blue. Yeah, that's a pretty damn good rebellion. Yeah. Okay, well, tell everyone where they can find out more about you, your books, the course, um, anything else that you'd like to add. And of course, I will put all of that in the show notes. Yeah, um, anything about my books, my social media is on my website, caitlinduncan.com. Anything about the course is from chaos2control.com and the two is the number two. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And of course, a gigantic thank you to all of the show's listeners and all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to Caitlin Duncan, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'm talking to Emma Rose all about how to use settings to enhance your romance subplots and romance stories. So join me next week for that. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review. Oh,